Welcome to Special Programming, produced by the Public Communication of Science undergraduate students here at the University of Ottawa. In this course, SCI 3101, the Public Communication of Science, undergraduate science students learn skills related to communicating their knowledge to non-specialist audiences in the general public. That's us. As one of their assignments, they are tasked in pairs or alone to produce a five to eight minute podcast on any scientific topic of their choice. Using any approach of their choosing, the students were to produce a short media clip that would be informative, accessible, and interesting to an audience from the general public. In this series, we have stories, interviews, and conversations that range from COVID vaccines to black holes in the universe. guys welcome back to the green podcast your favorite eco-friendly podcast i'm your host emily and i'm here with my friend paula hey how are you guys good i mean hopefully they're doing great um so this episode we're going to be talking about a new topic um that paula and i actually came across this week in relation to climate change and that's ocean acidification um so paula actually came across this and um what really stuck out to both of us that we thought was interesting is um, ocean acidification has actually been referred to by um, the professionals in the field who study climate change as climate change's evil twin, uh, which we thought that was quite an interesting way to look at it, which really pulled our attention to it. So, uh, Paula, do you want to tell them a bit more about it? Yeah, it's basically we know why climate change is happening. It's because there's a lot of CO2 levels in the atmosphere and other greenhouse gases. But ocean acidification is mainly just the CO2 is going inside the water and it's making the ocean more acidic, uh, damaging the marine ecosystems and marine wildlife. For sure. And I think also a really important point to make is that it's not just getting put into the ocean by us directly putting stuff into the ocean. Um, so the carbon dioxide that's getting into the ocean, it's also being brought down from the atmosphere. So all that carbon dioxide we're releasing up into the atmosphere, it's being brought down when it rains um, back into the ocean. So it's not just a matter of us stopping, you know, land runoff into the ocean and us preventing ocean pollution. It's all these other kinds of pollutions that are happening as well are having um, this detrimental impact on the ocean. And I think that's um, really important because I think a lot of people kind of look at it as a one for one. You know, we put stuff into the ocean and that's what's causing this change in the ocean. If we stopped, it would stop. But that's not the case. Um, you can't just stop one of them and something will go back to normal. It really it's all very intricate and intertwined. And, you know, the parts of our planet work together to keep it alive. And so we need to be careful with all of the pieces. And another note one of the main impacts of ocean acidification is the effect that it has on corals. As we know, the beautiful um, underwater ecosystem uh, where you see all the colorful, in the movies you see the fishes, uh, all the colors, um, that is algae in coral. And the stress of the acidity of the water and the increase in the temperature is causing this algae to leave the coral 
and they look bleached. It just looks white. Like this is not something that we want to see when we go scuba diving. And this is, and the fish just don't live there anymore. And so the ecosystem is disappearing basically. And it's really unfortunate because this is actually one of those few things that we could reverse. Uh, because it, a lot of people think that once this bleaching has occurred and the corals go white, that the corals are dead. But that's actually not the case. Um, so when the algae leaves the corals, they're definitely weakened and they're, uh, they become very high risk, but they're not actually dead yet. Um, so we do have the, the possibility of um, reviving them if we put the work in and uh, set our minds to it. Um, and I think that's kind of, uh, that's some, a finally an optimistic point in this conversation. You know, this is a really good proof that there actually is something to be done about climate change and we actually can reverse some of it, um, which I think a lot of people uh, view it as just this inevitable, horrible thing that's going to happen. And a lot of people um, believe that there's nothing they can do um, to fix it. And that's just not the case. Another really interesting thing, which um, as unfortunate as it is, I have to admit, it made me giggle a little bit um, just because it made me think of the movie Finding Nemo, uh, specifically the character Dory, if you're familiar with it. Um, and But that the, this interesting fact that we found was that the carbon dioxide actually affects the fish's brains and they lose their sense of direction and their ability to navigate their way through the ocean. Uh, which reminded me of Dory swimming around aimlessly, not knowing what was going on. Uh, it makes me wonder if, you know, the animators knew <laughs> about this or not, or if it's just a, a coincidence, this character. Uh, but that can also be detrimental to these species just because if they can't find their feeding grounds, if they can't find, you know, other individuals in their species to mate with, this will have a big impact on their survival as well. Yeah. Like we could lose many species in just a few years. Um, the yeah, for sure. And once the species are gone, there's no bringing those back, right, Paula? Oh yeah. Um, we should also think of all the animals that have shells. Um, actually, some might could build a more bigger skeleton, like crabs, lobsters, but smaller animals like snails and oysters or clams. They could just be less successful at defending themselves uh, they, by creating this shell. Um, it could be like less, it could be less uh, strong and the, just this species would be at risk of extinction. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I know that all sounds probably pretty uh, dreary and daunting, and uh, that's not our goal with this podcast. We always want to try and help. Uh, help. That's what we're here to do. We're here to help. We're trying to make a change. Um, so some things that can be done to help stop climate change in its tracks and maybe even reverse it a little bit. Um, clean energy, guys. We're always talking about it. Clean energy. It's super important. Uh, you know, electric vehicles instead of gas ones, taking public transport, using your bike, at least in the summertime. Mm -hmm. Uh, being less wasteful, the less demand that there is for these products, uh, the less the factories make, the less emissions that go off there. Yeah, um, we should also always try to reuse things, recycle, um, and always get involved and get educated on these topics. There are many websites online. You can um, 
many institutes that are trying to reverse these effects and always buy local. Remember, the fuel used for transportation in planes or trucks, you know, just to bring one orange uh, all the way to your hometown. Um, yeah. It's, it's an impact that is just felt in many different levels. So we wanted to leave you with this little note, this little piece of information. Um, we actually found research that said um, if we stopped all of our emissions today, it would only take a few hundred years to return um, our planet to its current, to the carbon levels and everything that were present before the industrial revolution. Um, so I know a few hundred years probably sounds really daunting, but if you guys really took a moment and stopped and to think about it, um, like what the world would have looked like pre-industrial revolution, it's probably drastically different, don't you think, Paula, than what, what we're looking at today um, in terms of like our carbon levels and what our oceans looked like and everything like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have seen a lot of damage um, that we are seeing like right now that is tangible. We cannot deny climate change. There are effects and it started uh, from the industrial revolution. So For sure, yeah. Um, and so a few hundred years to get it back to what is pretty close to perfect um, doesn't seem so bad to me. Uh, also on top of that, you know what, even if we don't get it back to perfect, but in a hundred years, if we could be that much closer to what it was, if we could reverse some of these effects, um, that would be, that would be pretty amazing, I think. And don't forget it, you can make a change by voting for officials that want, that are care about this, that care about climate change and they want to Get let their kids see uh, the coral reefs uh, in the future. Yeah, and that's like a really personal point on all of this for me as well, Paula. Is that you know there's species in the ocean that I haven't gotten to see up close and in person yet, and I I would love to. Um, and if we um, if they go extinct before I get the chance because of climate change then they're extinct. And, you know, my kids will never get to see them. My grandkids won't get to see them. So that's a really a personal reason for me that I am really pas particularly passionate. Well, so I hope uh, we, you guys learned something today. Hopefully we showed you a light at the end of the tunnel with the climate change and the changes we're seeing in our ocean. Okay, well, thanks for listening this week, guys. Uh, hopefully you learned something new uh, and hopefully we showed you a light at the end of the tunnel um, in regards to climate change and the change in our oceans and what we can do about that. Uh, so enjoy the rest of your days uh, and we'll see you next time. You just heard one episode in a series of podcasts produced by the Public Communication of Science undergraduate students here at the University of Ottawa. 